Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. A podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Kick it to Dyson, left wing three. He has had an outstanding evening. May it continue. That is 12 points for Dyson Daniels. Two below his career high. He has not missed a shot tonight. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I am Joe Cardosi, joined by the irrepressible Jim Eichenhofer, because you know what? Uh, Jim, last night stung. Uh, I stopped checking Twitter once it started just giving me the finger every time I checked it. Uh, But you know what? Let's just call this hashtag what the hell happened Wednesday, because I think, you know, all Pelicans fans were up. It was almost a playoff atmosphere in the first quarter of that game mm-hmm. really dwindled because the fans didn't have much to root for after that first quarter. But you know that the Kings are third in the West for a reason. Yeah. And uh, we, we questioned openly on the podcast before, are we going to get their best punch or are they going to sort of coast with their seating set? Mm-hmm. Well, I think they, they answered, we got their best punch. Yeah. I think one of the biggest takeaways that I had from Tuesday's game is, I mean, if you combine what they did last night with the previous game that they beat the Pelicans pretty handily out in Sacramento at the beginning of March. I mean, this team is legitimate. People want to talk about how, you know, teams are trying to position for the sixth seed so that they'll play Sacramento because the Kings look like they're very likely to be number three and the Grizzlies are likely to be number two. But, I mean, based on the last two times that New Orleans played them, there's no way you can go into a matchup with them being like, yeah, this is the team we want to play because Sacramento just looks really good. And we know that they have the number one offense in the NBA they actually statistically, I believe, are still on pace to have the best offensive rating in the history of the NBA. So, I mean, this this is not a team that you can just be like, yeah, they've never done anything in the past, so therefore they're no good this year. It's not true. I mean, their record kind of speaks for itself. And just having De'Aaron Fox back in the lineup, I mean, what a difference. The guy gets yeah. to the basket. He's, I mean, he might be the fastest player in the NBA off the dribble. So yeah. he caused a lot of problems for New Orleans and and. The, as good as New Orleans' defense has been lately, they they had a rough night last night. Yeah, it, it was tough. I mean, he had 23 points. It was the Pelicans' first time actually facing De'Aaron Fox this season. Uh, he was absent uh, as we faced them before, and, and mm-hmm. he proved his worth. Uh, also, Keegan Murray, man, woof, seven threes from him. Uh, you know, the the I guess the, the worst part of last night was watching the Kings' plan of, hey, let's lock up B.I. and make other people score actually work and you don't want that to be a blueprint going forward uh because right. you know brandon ingram you know he had a fine night 22 points uh but boy was it just sort of an empty 22 points yeah and it was the turnovers too he had seven turnovers i mean he's had some stretches lately that have been phenomenal in terms of assisted turnover ratio i think there was one two game combination where he had 23 assists and one turnover total so that was definitely out of character for him but again, you give the Kings defense credit for that. They're not a good defensive team. They're they've been kind of bottom five, bottom six. Yeah, you, I mean, Brad talked about it all night. Basically, yeah. the Kings' plan is we're not going to play defense. We're going to hurry up and get out in transition, right. and we're going to outscore mm-hmm. you. You can play defense if you want. We're going to score right. more points. Yeah, I mean, when you you mentioned Keegan Murray, I mean, 
the team, Sacramento team as a whole, but him specifically, it just seemed like they had answers so often. Every time the Pelicans maybe put together a f- little 4-0 run, 6-2 run or whatever, he would come up and make a three. Yeah. And it just seemed like the Pelicans were never able to get that momentum going. I mean, when you're at home and you're down 10, 15 points in the second half, you f- you expect to make a run, but they never really did. And any time they put a little something together, he it was either him or – you know, Harrison Barnes made some big shots. Malik Monk was really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just have a bunch of guys that just continued to come up with with plays. And it just it just by maybe I, I want to say early fourth quarter, I was like, this isn't going to happen tonight. They're not no. going to be able to come back because Sac- they're just not a Pelicans were not able to get enough stops on defense. I mean, Sacramento went 17 for. 42 from three-point range, and that was a huge key to them getting this win. Yeah, it seemed like even when we would score, they always had us at an arm's length. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, as, as we said, our B.I. was our leading scorer once again, uh, putting the team on his back as much as he could. Uh, you know, Jim, always a busy B. He was in the locker room, as always, uh, after the game. You, along with the uh, media pool, caught up with Brandon Ingram after the game. A bit dejected, but uh, he talked about it. And you, uh, we've been talking a bunch of these games where you had big numbers where the turnovers were really low. They went on tonight. What did they do to just kind of make things, just the, the picture more blurred for you out there? Uh, sending double teams, they switched up the defense a little bit uh, from that second quarter home. Um, um, a little slower uh, and my pace slowed me down a little bit, trying to create and uh, get to the rim a little bit. But um, they had a, a connected defense where off the double teams, they were really, really solid. How much was that an issue tonight, just trying to match that pace and just the way they were getting up and down on offense? Um, well, you know, um, turnovers, um, I play a big part in the turnover, um, and them getting out in transition and, and making threes, um, it's hard to, to fight back when you're shooting twos versus threes or you don't get a basket at all and they're going down and scoring. So, um, it's kind of hard to fight back a little bit. What, um, this is the first time you guys saw that with Aaron, just what kind of a difference does he make when he's out there? Uh, he pushes their pace, um, able to get some easier shots in transition. Um, and um, he's able to get to the rim and, and be effective in, in ways um, that other guys on the team aren't. aren't. Um, him getting to the basket and finishing, him getting to the basket and being able to play make is, uh, is a, a different team for them. Speaking of the threes, 17 made threes for them, 22 attempts for y'all. I know the last couple of games y'all haven't needed to necessarily take a lot of threes to win the game, but uh, sometimes a little tough to keep up with that. Um, what do you feel like, I guess, they did well or perhaps y'all need to do to bridge the gap a little bit in terms of the, the three ball? Um, just make sure that we're getting the attempts up. Uh, I'm not sure if Trey Murphy got enough up tonight, uh, CJ, uh, and also myself. Uh, when they give me... Um, when they give me open looks and when I'm on that three-point line, I got to be able to take them. Um, but um, all in the game, um, I'm sure they looked at our last few games and game plan and said, these guys don't take a lot of threes, so we're going to clog the paint. And um, that was their game plan. So uh, we got to be aware of that and um, be confident enough to take those shots. Memphis tomorrow will be another team that likes to protect the paint. They got some rim protectors out there. Um, do you think that they'll be important to perhaps adjust into tomorrow's game, get more attempts? Yeah, um, offensively, we got to get more attempts on the three-point line, continue to be aggressive. We have a really aggressive team in the paint. 
uh, we can get pain points, but um, we got to play off our defense a little bit better um, tomorrow. Um, playing off our defense, trying to get in transition and trying to get some easy buckets. I think um, that will open up the three points for our shooters. Great stuff there from uh, from Bi. It, it's just interesting, you know that that was a that was a, a loss that uh, it, it felt bad because we just felt like we were coming into this game like you got it, you just win one and we're in. You know the mm-hmm. the fans wanted something to celebrate, uh, but. As we talked about, the Kings now are Pacific Division winners uh, for the first time since 2002-2003, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, look, it, it meant something to them. Uh, we, we, yeah. we know something about that as a team that is building towards something. De'Aaron Fox and the rest of this talented team, they've, they've had to sit in the gutter for a bit. And, uh, you know, they want to win. Yeah, it's funny when after the game when I saw a few people with their Pacific Division champion shirts that they were wearing. I didn't even realize that they had just won the. I thought maybe it was people that had those shirts from like a few games ago that they had already won it, and they just so happened to be wearing them at that moment. Yeah, so they got some like you know knockoff that was pre-printed. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's it's funny. Like I've talked about this a little bit in, here and there in the past. That I don't really like the fact that they've de-emphasized the divisions the way that they have in the NBA, so that they don't really matter that much. Because you you have. It's funny how this is a whole other conversation, but. The league has talked so much in the last few years about adding other things that are important to win besides just the championship. You know, the whole rings culture thing has gotten annoying and people don't like that. But that's why I say, why did we de-emphasize divisions? Because at least, you know, back when, you know, there were only four divisions in the NBA, that might have been part of it. But it was a legitimate achievement and teams would put banners up in their arena. I was about to say it's a banner. And people would say, like, that's awesome that they won the division. You know, maybe they don't go on to win their conference or the NBA championship overall. It's a mile marker, but it's still though, something yeah. that you can look back at and say that that was a, a good accomplishment. Now it's like you don't even know when teams win a division, and as evidenced by the fact that I didn't even realize that they had won it last night, and the shirts didn't even tip me off to the idea that they had just won it because <laughs> I thought maybe they had done it previous in previ- a previous game. So. Yeah, look, I, I'm, gl- I'm glad to see a small market team being able to celebrate something they haven't been able to celebrate in 20 years. I hate right. that it's at our expense. Mm-hmm. They they went into, la- into last night's game with a, with a very definite plan, locked down Brandon Ingram, and it meant something to them. Sure, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know they're human, that they've heard people talk about how – you know, they're a team that doesn't have, isn't really that feared. I'm sure they want to prove it. They want to prove it to people that like, you know, we're a legitimate squad that you're not going to want to play during the playoffs. And I mean, I've been impressed, very impressed by them the last two times that they've played New Orleans, as well as in other games that they've played that I've caught. So, I mean, like you said, it's good to see a small market team be successful. And I feel really good for their fans because their fans have gone through so much. Yeah. And it's kind of the way I feel a little bit to a lesser extent, but n- the same kind of deal with Pelicans fans. Like we, we want to see them get rewarded for the years of support that they've had and how it hasn't been easy around here. It's not yep. like it's been a joy ride all of the time. So I'm happy to see them light the beam. I didn't like the fact that there were some fans chanting light the beam in the Smoothie King Center, but I will say... Got a little testy on the way out. Some Pelicans fans were giving them a little heck, and I was like, hey, you know, be nice to them. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. They just want something. I think that was it was way more significant than in some of their other road games that they've had, like when they've... And I'm sure some of it is geographically 
um, when they won a game against the Clippers. It was a huge cro- sure, yeah. ovation and a huge light the beam. It was it was kind of a sprinkling of light the beam. It was nothing to get upset yeah, about. Yeah, just one guy go, hey, light the beam. <laughs> it's like, don't, don't yell at that yeah, guy. He's just, right. you know, he's trying he's to celebrate. He's, yeah. he's having his best time. Uh, but look, there there are reasons to uh, to look ahead still with optimism because, uh, look, as we lost that game to a very good team that was motivated, but today you wake up, my blood is still in my veins where it belongs, and it's still when and we're in. It's still that. Uh, so there are still scenarios or scenarios. Uh, we face the Grizzlies tonight. Uh, we're facing the Timberwolves, the Knicks. Just got to take one of them, Jim, and I feel like we can start tonight. But but let's talk to Michael Wallace from Grind City Media. He, he's the Jim of Memphis, the Jimphus. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. On grizzlies.com. And he's going to give us the insider info, the scoop, if you will, on the Grizzlies, our opponent tonight. So let's get to Mr. Michael Wallace. Joining us on the Pelicans podcast, we are facing the team tonight, Mr. Michael Wallace, writer for Grind City Media. Uh, Michael, I know you're in New Orleans right now, uh, getting you know settled in as y'all got in late. How are you doing? How y'all feeling? Hey man, I'm I'm doing great. You know, this is the last three games of the season. You know, we end the season uh, on a three-game road trip starting here in New Orleans. Second night of a back-to-back, you know, you feel the legs, you feel the weight of the season. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're looking forward to, in the Grizzlies situation, being able to take care of these three games, get some time off uh, during the play-in and watching everybody else dogfight it out. And then you get to the playoffs the following weekend. So Must we're in a nice. good spot right now. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, someday I would like to experience that as well. Ah, but in the, yeah, that sounds for the, sweet. For the time being, it's going to be, <laughs> it's gonna be like you said, Michael, it's going to be a dogfight as far as trying to figure out what seed the – Pelicans are going to be, you know, one of the things going into this game, even going back maybe a few days or a week or so, when people here looked ahead to this game against Memphis, I think one of the biggest things that people wondered about was what would Memphis's motivation be at this point in the season? You know, we thought it was possible by now that you would have the two seed locked up and you almost do, but not quite. I mean, how do you think Mm -hmm. the Grizzlies are, what, how motivated are they right now to get that number two seed? And, you know, how do you think that they're going to approach this specific game tonight? You know, it's it's one of those deals because it's a back-to-back and, you know, with, with, with Ja Morant coming back to the team after his absence, uh, he hasn't played in back-to-back yet. Um, and so it's it's kind of – he's not listed as out, like definitively out. These guys um, are probably going to be closer to game time decisions. You do have to manage their minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also want to be respecting to the fact that, you know, you can clinch you, your two wins. You need two wins or a combination of – you know that that with the uh, the Sacramento Kings, a guy, a team you guys just saw last night, they're not letting up off the gas not at, at all, all yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So they're still going, and uh, so as long as that's the case, you know, you want to preserve the right, and I think the Grizzlies will be motivated to lock in at the number two seed to maximize their chances to get home court through at least the first two rounds of the playoffs because they have the best home record in the league. They've already clinched that, 
So if you're going to do justice by that, then I do think you have to show up the number two seed as best you can. It seems like um, one of the benefits, obviously, if they can, you know, it's possible, like you said, even tonight that they could clinch the two seed if they win and Sacramento loses against Dallas because and that would wrap it up. And then you get to go into the weekend where you're playing at Milwaukee and at Oklahoma City and you don't have to worry about the results because you already have that kind of locked in. And I know you're going to get some rest next week anyways, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm sure it would be beneficial to be in a situation where you don't have to press any at all in those two last couple games. So I'm sure that's a factor. You know, one of the things that I was, we were wondering about too is, I mean, it seems like Denver went through a stretch where they were struggling a little bit, then they played a lot better, and Memphis kind of had the same thing. I mean, I know some of that is due to players that were unavailable. You've had some key injuries as well. But, I mean, lately, over the last 10 games, the Grizzlies have the best record in the league at 8-2. and two. What do you think are, you know, mm-hmm. beyond some of the obvious stuff, what do you think are some of the reasons why they've been able to play so well over this recent stretch, pretty similarly to what New Orleans has done? Yeah, I mean, and New Orleans is just one game back of that, I believe. Yeah, seven and seven three, three yep. over mm-hmm. the last ten. So you know, you're you're looking at two teams that you know have, have found something, you know, coming out of March and, and coming into April. And I know the Pelicans have dropped a couple here, uh, uh, starting off April, you know, including last night to, to yeah. Sacramento Kings. But I think what's worked for the Grizzlies is they've been able to find uh, ball movement again. They've been able to play uh, and, and get into that twenty-five plus assist territory. Uh, they've been able to knock down threes with Luke Kennard being so comfortable right now. And when you have the combination of Luke Kennard and Desmond Bain uh, both playing prolific basketball, you've been able to allow John Morant to sort of work his way back into his rhythm. And that's still an ongoing process. When you miss nine games, um, that's a long time to miss, especially when you talk about in a short, condensed uh, amount of time. So I, I, th- I think the three-point shooting, the assists, and the ability to finally figure out how to win on the road uh, is what helped the Grizzlies during this stretch of, you know, eight wins in their last 10 games. Because, you know, the Chicago game notwithstanding on Sunday, uh, they looked like they were ready to 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 really, you know, uh, sprint their way into this last stretch. Now, they had a bump in the road. This team still kind of plays to the extremes. Uh, there was like three straight games where they had, you know, 30 and 40 point swings where they were either up by 20 and lost by 20 or down by 20 and took the lead by 20. And that you could play, you know, a tale of uh, they've been two different teams sometimes within the same quarter. And that's been an issue that Taylor Jenkins has wanted to ride out and solidify and uh, stabilize. And I think with Jaron being on the floor and being available as a defender, a defensive anchor, that's the key in addition to the three point shooting and the ball movement with the assist. Well, you know, the Pelicans have been on the wrong side of uh, some of those uh, 20-point swings as well. We faced uh, the Warriors, yeah. and, you know, we were looking good, it seemed like, for the, the first uh, stretch of that game, and then they just wore us down. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to make it with you sort of an anti-Draymond podcast, you know, sort of a, a Draymond <laughs> hate podcast maybe, because I actually found myself rooting for Dylan Brooks, which, look, as a New Orleans fan, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he knows he plays the heel. It, it's sometimes hard to do. But when he was talking smack about Draymond, yeah. I was like, preach, man. I think I'm uh, I think I'm a Dylan Brooks fan for now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it seems like they have at least the same mindset. Get into uh, the the opposing team's head make them have to account for you that mental weight uh, that you can create along with actually defending and being physical is such a huge part of uh, of his game. I mean, you know, as, as much as we love to hate on Draymond and honestly Dylan Brooks over here uh, because he's a pest that that's a good thing. <laughs> he yeah. He's a good player. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, how important is he to the identity of Memphis? It just seems like Memphis, even from the outside looking in, you look at them gritty, tough. Uh, and that's that's an identity that comes from the inside out. It's not something that was tacked onto the team. They made it themselves. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the same kind of situation with Jose Alvarado, right, with, with, mm-hmm. with the Pelicans. I mean, he's a guy that, that, that made his name being a pesky, under-your-skin, gnat, mosquito-like defender. Um, and, and he's not afraid to get chesty with you and mouthy with you, right? right? So, you know, those are the kind of players that you love when they're on your team. And, you know, the opposing fan bases and the opposing players – uh, kind of despise having to go up against those guys every single time. Um, the thing that makes Dylan Brooks special is that he can do it on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, this hasn't been his greatest shooting percentage season uh, by any stretch, but he's going to be a competitor, and he's not going to be afraid of the big moment. And in a lot of ways, he's sort of the alpha dog defensively on this team. Jaron Jackson produces, you know, the stats and the metrics and all of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But the mindset and the tenacity starts with Dylan Brooks being unafraid to take on the biggest defensive perimeter challenges every single night. So, you know, I got a lot of love and respect for both Dylan and Draymond. I love when they were going back and forth at each other. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of cringe when Draymond went nuclear on that podcast when he basically just lit into Dylan Brooks. And what did Dylan Brooks do? Come right back. They, those two teams played a couple nights after, and he went right up into Draymond's face. And neither one of those guys got technical fouls. Right. So I think at the end of the day, that's something that you look at and you say respect, you know, recognizes respect. And it's one of those things where you're seeing that. And I think what's made Dylan's season this year is the fact that he has gotten a response directly from Draymond Green. He has gotten a response from Donovan Mitchell. Right. He has gotten a response from Kevin Durant. Those guys recognize him because a few years ago, they didn't really know who Dylan Brooks was. That's not the case anymore. He's made a name for himself yeah. in this league. For, for now, he, he has that. Uh, going forward with whatever happens with the rest of his career. You know, speaking of the Warriors, you know, we mentioned earlier how the Grizzlies are in a position right now where, I mean, most likely they're going to end up as the two seed. So you're going to end up playing the seven seed if that holds with the Memphis staying in second. Um, as you as you kind of monitor the race, and obviously even after the seedings are um, completed, you're still not going to know who you're playing because it's going to depend on whoever wins that 7-8 play-in game. But I mean, yeah. from the mm-hmm. perspective of Grizzlies fans, who who do you think that they would want to face in the first round? I mean, do you want another chance at Golden State? I mean, there's a it's just it's in, so interesting. There's so many different possibilities of who. Yeah, we know fans have opinions. They, I, we, hey, fans have opinions, and quietly, I'm sure teams and players and coaching staffs and all of that. Of course, and, and even with what the la- the last three or four, two or three games left in the season, there's still I want to say six different combinations of opponents that you can face yeah. uh, as the 2-7 right now. Six different combinations because mm-hmm. of how things are so convoluted right now. Um, you know, obviously, th- this could be a playoff preview. I, I really think when it's all said and done, uh, it will be 2-7 and where it is today. You know what I mean? I think the Pelicans uh, are still in the seventh spot. Um, and if they, if they get a win and win, you know, and they host a home game and win that home game, I think we could easily be seeing these two teams matching up uh, a, a weekend, you know, in two weekends. Uh, starting off the first round of the series. Um, I think that would be, you know, a, a, the Grizzlies fans want the most comfortable first-round opponent that they can find. And there's no disrespect to the Pelicans. Right. Because as a healthy team, the Pelicans gave the Grizzlies fits. I mean, I remember hobbled. going back and forth. When you have Zion eliminated from the equation, you know, even though, you know, B.I. And, and, and different guys, you know, Jonas is, is doing his thing again. And 
you know, you guys got a, a slew of wing, you know, long ranging wing defenders and shooters. Um, Zion has a different dynamic to it. He's a different beast to prepare. Yeah, it'd be for. like y'all missing um, John. So if he's not, yeah, yeah, right. And, and if, if he if he's not going, if you can't say for sure he's going to be there for the first round, then yes, that would be a favorable matchup for the Grizzlies. If uh, if if what you don't want theoretically, I think if Grizzlies fans they would cringe at a Lakers uh, in the first round, and, and some of them would cringe at Golden State mm-hmm. Lakers for the reason that. If you get Anthony Davis and LeBron James in the series, they're going to slow the ball down. The Grizzlies had struggled with half-court offense um, from that standpoint. And you, you got to know that the, the pressure will be to get the Lakers, you know, as far as you can get the Lakers in that situation. And, um, you know, so that will be uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, the Grizzlies don't really fear anybody in the matchup. I think they do. Personally, I think that they do. Uh, want to get that that Golden State demon off their back one way or another, so they can align where they have to get past Golden State. That's something that these players want to do, just from a competitive standpoint. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. There's so much that can happen between now uh, and, and Sunday's games in terms of the seedings and the standings that you just got to be prepared for any number of combinations. Well, the one thing I can guarantee you is that if the two seven is Memphis versus the Lakers, maybe I'll just speak for myself. But I will be waving my Grizzlies flag. Oh, there's I will be a be... lot of Grizzlies fans in New Orleans <laughs> if y'all face the Lakers. I was about to say, man, everybody's like, oh, go Grizz. Uh, you know, and that's yeah. the thing, man. It, it's yeah. fun, actually, you know, no, no matter what happens, it's fun that there's actually like a rivalry budding here in this division because as a team that's been often overlooked as the Pelicans, uh, y'all know what it's mm-hmm. like, too, as the Grizzlies, seeing the Sacramento Kings get their moment in the sun, uh, even though it was at our mm-hmm. expense. You know, it's just nice to see some of these small market teams that a lot of people kind of have snickered at in the past actually making some hay and having to be accounted for. You know, I think the, the, the division, you know, now that the division is two-time Southwest Division champions, I mean, the division is better when, you know, when New Orleans is strong and, and when Houston is playing for something. Obviously, San Antonio has the tradition and the history, and Dallas has won the championship too. So the, 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 the division has kind of flipped a little bit, but you're right. When you look at these standings in the West, a lot of teams that have been overlooked are going to be major players. Denver, that's flyover country. We talked about that before. You know, Memphis is in, in the situation. Um, you know, Oklahoma City can still make some noise in there. You know, so you, Sacramento is in there. So all of these teams that hadn't gotten a lot of postseason attention and love uh, will be front and center with, with this Western Conference playoff race, and it's going to be fun to see. It's 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 been a fun thing to see shake out. You know, it's it's all getting crazy, man. So uh, we're going to scrap it out. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a fun game tonight. We're just looking forward to a good one. And uh, we'll see you then, man. Absolutely. See you guys tonight. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Michael Wallace of Grind City Media. Give him a follow at MyMikeCheck, M-I-K-E. You can read his articles over at Grizzlies.com. You know, Jim, so we face the Grizzlies tonight. But there's a bunch of meaningful games on the slate tonight for a bunch of teams. As we've talked about a million billion times, the West is so fluid. And uh, between tonight and tomorrow, uh, between the meaningful games for us and just fun games to watch, there's so many to check out beyond what the Pelicans are doing. Yeah, I think after the Pelicans game tonight ends against Memphis, people are probably going to turn their TVs on to the L.A. versus L.A. showdown. That's probably might be the biggest game of the rest of the week in terms much of much hyped game Western of the Conference. Week, yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, you've got Russell Westbrook 
going up against his old friends and teammates with the Lakers. Yeah. So he's going to have vengeance and blood on his mind. Hey, I'm he looking looked good to against us, man. I yeah, mean, he, did. He, he has not been looking bad yeah. since he left the Lake Show. And, uh, you know, as interesting as it was, as, as I guess as, a, as much of a bummer as it was to watch the Lakers pull out that game last night, interesting to watch them get stretched into overtime, you know, uh, LeBron himself talking about how those minutes aren't going to help the team. And now they're facing a Clippers uh, team who is on three days of rest, and they've had this one circled on their calendar for a while. It means something. Uh, so, you know, that this is going to be a real test of the Lakers that everyone seems to be fearing and talking about how much uh, hay they can make if they get in the playoffs. We'll see you tonight, man. Yeah, by the way, uh, Kendrick Perkins on uh, NBA Today, I'm sure a lot of people saw this yesterday. He They they, they said, give us a percentage of what the, <laughs> what chances the Lakers have to win the West. And he said 100%. So oh. what what is going on? Wow. And. Oh. Well, we know the mathematician Kendrick Perkins uh, is <laughs> always correct and has no sort of loyalty to anyone on that. Team. No, no, none, none. Uh, none. But yeah, I mean, I, look, uh, I I think it's going to be uh, an interesting game to watch. And then you got Kings Mavericks. We just saw what the Kings did to us. And uh, look, if the Mavericks lose that game, they're in real, real trouble, and that would be very good for us. Yeah, the if the Mavericks lose, I mean, let's talk specifically about how it pertains to the Pelicans, and then I'll go out from there. Um, if the Mavericks or Thunder lose a game, one more game, the Pelicans at least clinch a play in berth. Pe- the Pelicans can do it themselves by just winning tonight. Yeah, if they win, win against Memphis, we don't have to worry about any just of these other more. scenarios, but nonetheless, um, obviously the new Orleans is extremely close to at least clinching that part, which is the first step. Just get in to the postseason and have a play in spot. Um, so yeah, that, that part of it, but, um, the Mavericks are a half game behind OKC, but OKC has the tiebreaker. Oklahoma City's in tenth place, so that if the Mavericks really need every single win that they can get, if they go three and zero in their last three, um, OKC could still knock them out by winning twice. But um, Dallas, just long story short, Dallas is in a position where they have no margin for error to mm-hmm. extend their season beyond Sunday when everyone closes with game eighty two. So that's a uh, that that's something to watch as well. Um, hopefully, we don't have to worry about that. That game starts at seven thirty. The Pelicans, hopefully, with a seven o'clock game, will have already notched a win before that yeah, Dallas let's game hope we ends. Don't have to stress about that. And um, but overall, I mean, unfortunately, Tuesday night. You know, we talked about how great the weekend was, and we went through all of the different teams that went zero and two and lost games and helped the Pelicans. Tuesday, unfortunately, yeah, was the really Yang the came opposite to that of that. Yin, yep. Yeah, and and it, I think it was it was frustrating a little bit too. I think. I'm sure a lot of fans would probably feel the same way that it wasn't just that some of these other teams won. It was that it was so in doubt and you were thinking, you know, Lakers might lose this game to Utah. They ended up pulling it out. The Warriors were down in the fourth quarter to Oklahoma City. They ended up winning. Um, The T-Wolves game came down to like the last possession that they were able to win. And um, that was, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this even further on Friday's show, but um, Minnesota win was so monumental in terms of their race with the Pelicans because now it's almost definitely going to come down to that last game in terms of who finishes ahead between New Orleans and Minnesota. There's a million other tiebreakers and teams that could be involved. I don't want to like hurt my brain and everyone else's (laughs) by doing that. But I mean, suffice to say that if Minnesota wins Saturday at San Antonio, it's definitely going to come down to Sunday, regardless of what the Pelicans do, just based on the math and the tiebreaker that the season series with them is one, one. So, I mean, it's going to, 
almost definitely be decided on Sunday afternoon. I was hoping that the Pelicans could avoid that, but the combination of Minnesota winning last night and the Pelicans losing made it kind of, it's kind of, it's almost a foregone conclusion. You got to squint at that six seed. Yeah. Barely see it now. And in in terms of the six seed, I mean, what's interesting with that is, you know, as we mentioned, the Clippers are playing the Lakers. One of those teams has to lose and they'll, that'll be their 39th loss. Pelicans have 39 losses right now. If Pelicans win tonight and the Clippers lose, the Pelicans will move ahead of them. They'll still be be behind the Lakers, but so I I don't I'm not I definitely not going to sit here and say yeah you should root for the Lakers, but that would be beneficial in terms right. of at least short get someone time. else to do it. <laughs> Go on some website and outsource <laughs> yeah. it. Just pay a guy to root for the yeah. Lakers just for the juju. Uh, and then look, <laughs> and then the, tomorrow the OKC is facing Utah, and we just saw the Jazz. They they took the title from Portland for just putting guys out there. They mm-hmm. had people on the on the court that had just some dude on the back of their jersey yep. and gave LA uh, the Lakers all they could uh, take. And now they're going to be facing the Oklahoma City Thunder. You never know what's going to happen in that game. Again, you just you got to watch how the plinko things fall. Mm-hmm. But all you can hope to do is win your games and hope for the best with those. But and then Nuggets Suns. That's not going to really affect seeding. It's just going to be a fun game to watch. Yeah, I mean, Phoenix is still undefeated as we go into Wednesday when Kevin Durant plays. I believe it's 6-0 and now. So um, they have played mostly against teams that are kind of either lower tier or kind of middle of the pack. So this is definitely, you know, maybe their biggest test so far. I'm not sure what Jokic's status is, but um, that'll be an interesting game as well just from the standpoint of, you know, trying to stay unbeaten. They put, The Suns potentially could have the the weirdest – entrance to a postseason ever where they make a major trade but the guy that they get only plays like nine games before the playoffs and then it's like okay now play the biggest games of the season i mean good luck yeah they've been good they've been great so far obviously I mean, he's been there before right uh, so it's, he's no stranger it's just to so unique though it's yeah. such a weird position to be in that they might have no absolutely and and look uh, speaking of being in a weird position we don't know when you're listening to this podcast we're recording it at about 10 in the morning so uh, if you're asking, uh, why are they not talking about Zion? We don't know. We don't know what's going to break. So uh, as we are recording this, uh, no Zion news has come down. Uh, so it's not that we're just avoiding talking about Zion. It's sure. that w- we don't have anything for you right, right. now as we're recording this. And, and also, too, I mean, along the same lines, as we record this, I'll be waiting for the injury report from Memphis that they're going to put out. The NBA has a rule that on the second game of a back-to-back, which applies both teams, Grizzlies and Pelicans today, they have to submit their injury list before 1 p.m. So we'll be getting that, you know, early afternoon. As we sit here and record this too, we don't know in terms of is Memphis going to have a couple guys sit? Are they going to list some guys as, you know, questionable or doubtful? We're going to have to all wait and find that out. I mean, that could have a big effect as well on Wednesday's game in terms of, you know, it's definitely possible that they could have a couple guys rest and not have them play the second game of a back-to-back. Yeah, so, so yeah, we're not trying to be cowards over here. We just don't have anything for you. We promise. I actually had it circled Zion Day as the uh, podcast topic, but nothing yet. So uh, we will see, and our fingers, toes, everything we can possibly anatomically cross, we have crossed right now. We promise you. Uh, hey, but by the way, uh, before we get out of here, Dyson looking good, man. It's nice to see Dyson continuing to, uh, you know, sort of get on that upward tick. He had 12 points last night and uh, just continuing to to look improved and to, to get his confidence back. Uh, glad to see Dyson looking pretty good. Yeah, I think he could be an elemental piece to what whatever they do in the play-in tournament and or the playoffs. Hopefully we 
get to see the Pelicans there. I mean, he could be a key rotation piece. Yeah. He was four for four from the field last night. Only 13 minutes. He scored 12 points, like you mentioned. That was actually the most points that he's had in a game um, since November when he had uh, double figures. He had 14 points against Toronto on November 30th. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we don't really look to him as the guy that, you know, go out there and get a yeah, bunch of spark buckets. Spark of offense, but, yeah. But it's really helpful to have him be able to make some open shots. Well, just to be a threat. Just to be right. a legitimate threat so that people have to guard him somewhat. Yeah, so that was one plus definitely from the game last night. There weren't a whole lot of them, but that was good to see him play well, like you said. And um, he's been a positive element of the last few games. I mean, he's, he's been a positive plus minus in four of the last five games. Yeah. So doing doing a nice job in the minutes that he's been out there and um, hopefully just see him continue to keep that up. Absolutely. We just want to see the kid hold his head up high and uh, continue playing well. And let's continue playing well ourselves. We want the Pelicans to win this game again. Win and we're in. Win and we're in. Win and we're in. Win and we're in. I woke up screaming it, Jim. Uh, but I can't stop saying it. Uh, Jim, thanks for guiding me on this rough day. You know, it's such a confusing day. So much has happened. The roller coaster yeah. continues, man. Mm-hmm. We're high, we're low. We're high, we're low. Today, mm-hmm. I sort of didn't know where to be. Jim took me by the arm as I was wandering in circles in the parking lot and told me the uh, the news and set me straight. Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I, I think we should look at this like, you know, we're down, we're on the downward part of the roller coaster because of the loss last night, but I think we'll have a much brighter tone on Friday if Wednesday night against Memphis is a victory. Yeah. I mean, if the Pelican big picture, if the Pelicans can win these next couple games, I think they will Sunday's going to be almost definitely a, a huge monumental game but they'll be in better position if they can win these next couple going into that yes let's keep riding the roller coaster pelicans fans uh hey i will be there tonight uh go say hi to the man in the window when you're walking into the smoothie king center that's me in the radio studio along with gus Catgill. sometimes we'll even catch a glimpse of jim eichenhofer if you can see through the flash bulbs popping at you uh but we will be there tonight Go to the Smoothie King Center loud. We want you out there in playoff form. We will talk to you once again on Friday, hopefully jovial as hell. And until then... (laughs) Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on pelicans.com the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.